Hey guys, welcome to 12 Questions. Woo, woo, woo. My name is Anna Valenzuela and I am so excited for today's podcast. It is so fun. But first, I have to uh, introduce my beautiful co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hey, how's it going? Yay. Hi, Dave. Uh, you got that beautiful clarity statement up and cooking? Yep. So, uh, well, if my internet wouldn't, I should have it memorized by now, but uh, welcome to 12 Questions Podcast, where a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or other 12-step organizations. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview guests about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay, Dave. And we have yet another fabulous returning guest. Who are we speaking with today? My name is Lindsay Adams. Yes, Yay. the mistress Hello. of cakes. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm very happy to to have you. Every time we see each other, we'll be doing comedy and we'll see each other and we'll look at each other like we're the only two sane people in the room and we just found each other. It's a beautiful feeling. (laughs) It's honestly, I, I like my last memory of seeing you was, I think, at the airliner. Yes. And and standing outside and talking with you and it was like a breath of fresh air so I was like love it love seeing you I needed that because I had not a great set and um it was fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) and guess what none of it matters now at all (laughs) it doesn't matter it does not matter it never matters so I I did, did it ever matter? That's the question. Not really. Ooh, difficult, difficult to say, Dave. That's not the. That's not the first of the twelve. That's just my own <laughs> internal acceptance of sure. comedy. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh my gosh. Well, let's get into these questions because so much has changed since the last time I saw you, and a lot has changed since the last time I spoke to you. We have a new co-host, for example. New exactly. co-host. Yes. Um, so what is your, like, how do you experience surrender? Man, uh, surrender for me, sometimes easy, sometimes hard. Sometimes I don't know that I need to surrender. And that's the trickiest part until, cause I, I'm a, I'm a doer. I do, 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 do to like, and, and go, go, go and fill space with things and worries and, now, now as like a responsible person, somewhat, I fill it with stuff where it's like, all of a sudden I have to clean the entire apartment. I've got to run errands. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. When in reality, like what I need to do is um, surrender and let go of the control over whatever is actually bothering me. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's more so how I experience it today. It's not always as obvious as being like, like with this pandemic, it's like obviously surrender. But it, throughout the day, I'm just like, 
Yeah, surrender. And also, why does it not look clean? I just cleaned yesterday. Um, this apartment will never be clean. I have to buy a new microwave. Like, it's just, what are you doing? <laughs> you're oh, you're muted. muted. I know. I figured it out. Um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, that is, that is definitely, like, I, I feel like every day, I have to re-surrender to whatever's going on right now because every day I feel I wake up and I'm like, like we were talking before Dave got here about like how I just, I've been dragging ass lately. And yesterday I woke up and I was like, I was actually bummed out by the news of a vaccine because I was like, oh, I haven't done enough in quarantine and I'm going to get out of quarantine. Everybody else is going to be like signing television contracts and like all these things. And she literally was like, could you like write a list of things that you've done? Because I feel like you've done a lot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my disease is just over here. Like, you're never enough, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. My favorite is, you know, you know, motherfuckers aren't working hard. Like you've yeah. been on these Zoom shows where people are fucking trying to throw shit at the walls that they call jokes and it's not really there. You're going to be just fine on the other end of this. Like, I, I honestly think the people that have taken the time to, like, f- find out what their actual identity is are mm. going to come back better. Uh, as, and this is only speaking in stand up, but I'm sure it could cross the board and other things. But, you know, a lot of people lost their only form of identity. That's the same people that are running out to do fucking shitbag open mics in the back rooms of indoor spaces right now. You know, because mm-hmm. like, because you agree. take their only identifying characteristic away from them and they melt internally. You know, like I saw someone post that like they went 44 days without doing in-person stand-up after Newsom did a, a fucking and I see Lindsay's rolling her eyeballs and they made like yeah. this big long post like I love comedy but I, I would like, shut the fuck up like you're the reason yeah. we're probably going to go through another lockdown again because you and your <laughs> shithead buddies uh, you, you know can't just wait so you can impersonate Louis C.K. Uh, uh, in, a, in a different f- format you know like yeah I don't know it's a real self-centeredness that um, I get but I also am like yeah fuck off and i'm judgy i'm judgy as fuck like they're like i just can't go without it and i'm like it's not that i don't love it or miss it i do deeply like it really but it can't be my identity if if i want to be someone that essentially is of service which is my overall goal in some mm-hmm. way and i and i, I want to be someone that like accomplishes things that then ultimately help people then like yeah i don't need to like go do a fucking indoor open mic like yeah i need to figure it out and suffer that's the thing too is people are like i don't want to suffer and it's like i hate you like (laughs) i also thrive in suffering that's true we love a good suffer it's a it's a good yeah a good suffer party not quite a pity party more of a suffer party just like oh <laughs> but yeah what's been sort of your most insane moment with the suffering or with the just the the just how you how how has the insanity been since we last talked I mean, you know, it was really, it's been so up and down since we last talked. I feel like there's been so much, like I had a period of time where I 
got fired from my day job and it was amazing, but it really required quite a bit of surrender knowing, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, there was no way I was going to give my boss what he wanted because I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be doing comedy stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, part of me was like a little disappointed that I couldn't, you know, fully fake it. Um, but like, what, like, I, I just couldn't give him what he wanted, which was an employee that wanted to grow with the company. And I just wanted to like do my work. Um, so I had to like, let him fire me basically. And just like, keep showing up. And, um, that was like actually just like a really incredible experience for me. And I had so much financial insecurity and I just went on unemployment and I just decided that I needed to enjoy myself um, and trust that things were going to be okay. And they were, they were fine. And then uh, things were great. And then pandemic and I got Corona and I actually oh, like did. loved it. I did. I had Corona Here's what I'm very grateful for. I had it before there was widespread testing. Before it was cool? You had corona before it was cool? I I literally was <laughs> sick the week of that we went into quarantine that as like a as like a country or whatever. So yeah. I wasn't able to get any sort of testing until I got the antibodies test. Oh. And but I had I, I mean I I went to a, a comedian's wedding and a whole shit ton of us got it. And which makes sense. Cause we were all breathing in each other's faces the whole night. Whoa. Cause I was wondering, cause there was a lot of comedians that kind of got it all at once. I will never have FOMO for not going to a wedding again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for not inviting it's... me to your comics wedding. <laughs> Thanks for not inviting me to your super spreader. That's what I keep joking about. I'm like, remember that super spreader wedding that you had? Um, <laughs> yeah. After a while, it was like, oh, fuck. Like, I have, I have no control. And then things just started spinning out. I mean, 2020 has been fucking bananas. And you... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I really like don't even know what how to was, like for our listeners. What was the experience of having COVID like, like what was the, what did it feel like? So they, I'm sure everybody listening is like, what did you, what happened? <laughs> I mean, so I, I am the type of person I, I used, when I was younger, I used to fake sick and fake injuries so often that I don't normally believe myself when I'm sick I don't trust myself because I was like in the nurse's office like sleeping constantly all throughout middle school and high school with like some or trying to get go home or whatever so it's very difficult for me to feel like I'm not being dramatic when I'm sick. So you mm -hmm. really got to knock me out with like a hard fever. Like, I feel like if I have a chest, I work, like I insisted on like working out the whole time, <laughs> like a psychotic person. <laughs> and, and I think not knowing that I had Corona, Corona was probably helpful that I didn't like go crazy looking for information. But at the same time, I definitely was like, I had a fever for like two days. Okay. And 
my boyfriend and I tried to quarantine in different rooms, but he ultimately ended up getting it. I think the most frustrating part was when I lost my sense of taste and smell and I got, I felt very fucking out of control with that because I was, it went away for a long time. Hmm. That's why it was like, and it was like, I, it was so bad and it was so scary and nobody had any answers about when it would come back. And I'm obviously like a baker. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I was horrified. I really, I was eating cloves of garlic to like test it on a daily basis, just raw cloves of garlic. And I you couldn't shit. And my tenth, I do that for fun. Like that's like. I mean, it's also very good for you. So it was like wasn't harming me, but I would eat it, and all I would feel is the tingle on my tongue. Like there was oh. no. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I guess I'll do the cat litter all the time. Like, I, I don't, you know, there was nothing. There was, like, the funniest moment, though, and I'll just share this, even though it's gross, but it's, like, my favorite funniest moment from COVID is that my boyfriend and I were um, on the couch, and he was like, oh, my God, what's that smell? And I was like, oh, my God, what is it? I can't smell it. Like, what is it? And he's like... Uh, he was like, did you fart? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. And like, and he was, we were so concerned. And he was like, is there like a problem with like the septic tank? And I was like, I know this is so gross. I was like, fuck, I don't know. And we were like so concerned. And I was like, I honestly can't tell you. I have no idea. And then, um, and then, and we were like cracking up. And then, I mean, and then I like knew that I, I farted again. And I was, <laughs> I was like, like, I felt that one. You had sick farts. <laughs> I, yeah, sick farts are the worst. <laughs> it was so funny to be like, genuinely, I had no idea. I couldn't smell anything. So I was genuinely like, it was, I felt like when like, like an addict helps you search for like the drugs they stole, like, yes. w- but without realizing it, I was like, I don't know, where is it? Um, and you're sick. So you can't yeah. even really like feel your body and like, <laughs> no, totally. So like having it, having it was fine. The lasting side effects drove me nuts because I, I don't know how to behave in shades of gray. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and, and that's, I mean, that kind of leads us to our next question like with all these shades of gray in your life, like how are you making decisions right now? Uh, I mean, that's such like a good, it's such a good question. I don't, I, there's part of me that has uh, so much of like what I feel and what I have felt in our current situation is directly conflicting with each other, which has been like interesting. So it's like a part of me is more decisive than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not fucking around, I'm not looking at menus for 400 years. If I want takeout, I'm just going to commit, I'm going to get it, it'll be done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or it's like, look, I want to, I want to go on a trip. Let's plan it, commit, we're done. Like a camping trip or something. And then at the same time with other things, I'm very like, don't make any sudden movements. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm very much like we can't leave like people are leaving and like having lives elsewhere. And I'm like, we've got to hunker down and stay right where we are and like, don't spend any money. And like, 
mm-hmm. you know, so, and like, don't make any rash decisions and get like very like weird about it. That's how I see, I see that side of me, like that fear, whatever, as like a fucking uh, troll under a bridge. That's just like, it's time. Yes. <laughs> you should run everyone else's. Ah. Yeah, basically <laughs> just like, don't do anything. It's not safe. Yeah. Um, so it's hard because I'm like not, I am making decisions, but I'm not. And there's empowerment in that. But it's like everything feels like a mistake right now. Yeah. So yeah. I have I have a sub question. So a 3B. So how many years has it been since you've done this podcast? And then so is there a difference between the way you used to make decisions and the way you make now? I think it's it's definitely been over a year. Like it's gotta have been, right? It's well over a year. I mean, I I make decisions now a lot more uh I lock it in faster. And I think that is because partially because of like that period of time after I got fired when I had to like really let go of a certain level of financial career security that I had been holding on to for a really, really long time and let it work out. I think that encouraged me to like make more decisions and like walk through that fear. Mm -hmm. So I think I definitely am more decisive now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I remember you struggling with that previous job situation and feeling deeply unhappy. And I'm so proud of you for, I think I ran into you shortly after that and you were like, I'm out, man. I'm just free falling. And, and it is a weird thing when there's like, you know, time doesn't equal recovery, but it doesn't hurt. And being comfortable with the free fall is something that like I've had for a few years now. And I don't think I could do comedy if I wasn't comfortable with the free fall because there's no way to engineer the results on stage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's always been something that I have had a hard time grappling with. Like I, I'll accept a level of a lack of control and then, um, but there are certain things that I find make me feel safe controlling. Yeah. So like there, I compartmentalize in those areas. Yeah, totally. So interesting. What's been the most I'm interesting. You are interesting. <laughs> and what's been the most I'm... interesting you are. What's the most interesting thing you've learned about your interesting self? Oh, fuck. I mean, I love, I've talked about this before, but I kind of love, therapy has been really good, even though I never want to go. And I think like one of the things that I've learned about myself that's really been interesting is just like the depth of how much I operate still even in all the progress that I've made and like, I'm sure that I operate way less from a place of fear than a lot of people do. So I'm not like saying that I'm like a problem or broken, but like how much I still operate from what my therapist calls my bunker, which is like my favorite fucking thing, like a war bunker as if like, like in a normal situation, like with my boyfriend where he'll be like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And then it's like, I get in my bunker and I'm like, why do you want to ruin my life? Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
you don't care about what I want. Oh, you don't care about what I want. Okay. And it's like cocking a gun. It's like, well, I'm ready. Um, and it's like, maybe this person just feels differently. So that's been, I think like for me, interesting to see that, like, it's not even just a place of fear. It's a place of feeling like I need to defend whatever scared kid is like Mm -hmm. not safe. Mm-hmm. Well, that in that bunker is to protect yourself from an atomic bomb. Like so, you, like you go in, assuming the world's on fire. So I mean, I, I tend to retreat into myself in, in a similar fashion when it doesn't need to happen. Like there's nothing, there's nothing out in the external that uh, that has got me yet. As far as it, and suffering through a million experiences, it's just like it's. Nothing in the in the physical world ha- has has made it a rational decision to hang in like my own quote unquote bunker for long periods of time like mm-hmm. I used to. Yeah, yeah. It's it it really like I, I'm not a risk taker. I'm just not like despite despite all the risks that I have taken. I it's not my nature. I I want to be safe more than anything. Yeah. And that's not life. You have to take risks. And that admitting that requires a tremendous amount of self-honesty. And Mm. like, what would you say your level of honesty is with yourself, others, your higher power? I honestly, that is one of the things that has been such an asset to me in my recovery and in like my life in general. And I think it affects my comedy is like, you know, I I wouldn't even call it self-awareness as much as, you know, I'm very honest. I can be very, very, I'm, I'm quick to, um, you know, even though I have like a lot of these defense mechanisms, I'm generally pretty like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, you know, and, and I, that's why it's so interesting, you know, when I don't realize it and my therapist points it out, it's like, yes, I'm totally doing that. So it's been an asset to be able to like have that kind of honesty. That's like one of the things that I think like one kept me sober early on Mm. and continues to keep me sober. Like, I think I'm pretty honest. I will discard the truth in a minute, but (laughs) I'm usually pretty, um, yeah, that's something I'm really grateful for that. I have a pretty good sense of honesty. Yeah. And that's something I've always said that if you can't cling to anything, just be fucking honest about where you're at and explicitly what you need and what you don't need at any given time. You know, because I I feel like a lot of the times people don't want to be honest about the things they need or don't need. And then that resorts to, to, to the bunker fleeing. You know, like I can't be honest with what I don't want or what I need, you know, so I'm going to go back in and brace for the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And I turn, you know, I, you know, I I think I maybe have a chip on my shoulder a little bit about the level of honesty that I try to have with myself and I want it to be the same with other people. And I have a hundred percent messed up relationships trying to like tell people their honesty, like Ah. being like, you know, it's like, it's so funny you don't realize this because 
I'm first of all, your lack of honesty is affecting me and I'm irritated. So I'm going to tell you exactly what you're fucking missing. Um, you were describing my relationship to a T where it's like, I'm not wrong, but also I'm going to be entirely invasive with my observations and yeah, uh, I could really use you to get into the honesty reality uh, sphere right now. Like, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's not a great place to be. (laughs) No, I like think I'm a know-it-all and like, look, I understand you psychologically better than you know yourself. So, and I do this specifically with male comedians, um, like male comedian friends. I tend to like really just get in there and, and it makes me feel powerful and it's really trash. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause especially my experience with that defect is as the tape plays out, I will do that to people. And that caused some major, um, conflicts uh interpersonal conflicts that do affect your career you know because it's like the second you're off the pedestal the second you're a human being the second you switch from the role of amateur therapist to human being who needs a a uh, a relationship that reflects emotional equanimity um things go to hell in a handbasket because that's not the mm-hmm. rules of the game that you've set up it's like telling a kid if you get straight A's, you can get a car. And then saying, you know what? You didn't do the dishes, so you don't get the car. It's literally the, like, that's the emotional reaction is, um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of young men uh, freak it out because they're mad at their moms, you know? Not targeting you, Dave. This isn't about you. You're no, self-aware. Dave knows it's oh, not about him. <laughs> trust me. You could you could shit on male comedians all you want, and I. It's one of those things where I just I know myself enough to know that I, I'm sure I've had some missteps along the way, but I don't think oh they're talking about me because I'm, oh. I'm not that person. Like, it also helps that yeah. Dave came into my life right as the end of the aftermath of that had occurred, and so if it wasn't for Dave, you know, being at like clubs and stuff when I'd run into these folks. I probably would be in jail for stabbing somebody because it was just the level of shade exchange was so high. And the beautiful thing about Dave is he just reminded me like, you're in a better place. You're a better person. Now you're a better person. Now living in those defects may have helped you get in with certain people and get certain career things, but like it didn't, it didn't help your spiritual life. And I wouldn't hang out with you if you were still hanging out with those people because they suck. Yeah, I I mean, like, I revert to bully. I revert mm-hmm. to, like, if there's one thing that I have over you, it's your emotional weakness. Yeah. And that's always been my go-to. That's always been my, what I have bullied with. Yeah. Yay. But then, I mean, when, when I set out, when I set out to hurt, and, and that's never my intention sometimes, you know, but, like, when, when I, uh, when I'm comfortable enough to just let go and just be like oh yeah well i'll show you you know like it it leaves me it leaves me full of anxiety because it's like now do i own amends do i have to like do i really want to make an amends to this shithead person so do i just stuff it down into my stomach and get stomach cancer which is usually my go-to now is i i'll put it down i'll put it down deep in the old lower intestine and just be like you know what i don't need to live past 59 you know like fucking we'll just get the cancer and go out 
<laughs> I'm in a, I'm in but a, it, di- it is anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. I'm in a weird spot now sure. where I'm on a six step with my sponsor and we just did a four step specifically on the last five years of my life. And I, um, I am dreading those conversations of, do I own amends to these people? You know, how do you, how do you say like, you know, um, because of fear, I act in people pleasing and that created a toxic dynamic in our friendship. And then I acted like a victim for part of that. And in some ways I was a victim, but in some ways I signed up for some of it, you know what I mean? And it's, that is a conversation I'm dreading, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I'm really, I mean, I'll do what I have I, to do. <laughs> I completely hear you. And yeah. I have manipulated things to a place where I am able to be so aggressively passive aggressive that you're never sure if I'm joking and then I walk away and I'm like, it was a funny joke. I don't have to make. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like kidding around, like in the gray area of like, someone is like, wait, that hurt. But she was joking. And then I'm like, I'm fine. Like, don't be a baby. We're comedians. Like, <laughs> I love it. You could, I think the best example of that is you would host a mic in the Valley, but a lot of like uppity Eastsiders would come over and just watch yeah. you just like occasionally just like let them have it. But like in a way yeah. where they didn't know what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Was so yeah it's like, I've just mastered and it's like the fun. It's the most, it's funny. I know it's funny, which sucks because it's also like, I have to like, then I walk away and I'm like, I really don't like that person though. (laughs) Like, I actually like really hope, I hope they felt that. I hope they knew (laughs) when I said that, that I meant it. I thought I was the only person in the world who didn't like, who didn't care for certain people in our professional world. And then I moved in with my new roommate and as suddenly I'd be like, I would hear her say something and I would turn and I'd be like, hold on, are you also annoyed by that person? And she'd be like, yeah, and everyone else. And I'm like, I had no idea. I was on an island of trying not to gossip. And I thought I just didn't, I thought I was wrong. I thought I didn't like that person because of me. But it turns out they're hard to deal with. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's honestly, you know, that that is a consequence of recovery. As sometimes we're so indoctrined with this whole like it like the like you'll hear it thrown around uh if if you point a finger you got three more pointing back at you it's like no sometimes i'm a good judge of character sometimes i know in my gut that this person's trash and it's just like i don't have to fucking apologize for my my shitbag radar but if I'm if I'm using that shitbag radar not to just alert myself but to cause harm, that's the difference. Yeah, you know, exactly. and I can do that. Like I I see people on the regular, even in the Zoom space, that I'm like I fucking hate you. But mm-hmm. I don't do anything to uh to uh, I, like I I'm not on the attack. Which again, it, I meditate and shit like that. But it, it just all ends up in the in the lower intestine, turning into cancer. Like, but like, 
Because, okay. So there is something to be said. Like, you know, do you get it out and then make an amends if you need to, which seems healthy, or do you stuff sure. it? <laughs> you, you know? I, I well, had a... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go for it. I had a sponsor tell me that she had this terrible boss and that she would always just look for one thing that that boss did that was made them qualified them as a good person so when her boss would be being a shithead she would just repeat to herself he really loves his mother and every year he buys her like a fiesta wear vase to add to her collection and i can't be mad i can't entirely hate a person who does something so nice for their mother i think yeah I mean, I think that's sweet. I think that that's, I think that's great. I, <laughs> I haven't mastered it. I, I will, I will. No. She's a very sweet person. She's like the most sweet yeah. person I've ever met. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I, I think that like, I, you know, one of that is one of the benefits of like this pandemic is like, I don't have to see people on a regular basis that, I don't want to see and figure out how to behave around them. And that really was something that like, I always struggled with. And I think like, I definitely am able to take a step back now and be a little bit more, um, just be more mindful because like, I would go through phases where I would like either act out or like, even, you know, when I didn't say anything, it would like live inside me like they was saying and it would, it would make me resentful that I couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And that, and then I was like, yeah, I don't want to fucking be here. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't like this person. Nobody likes this person. We're all pretending we like this person. And that's when my like self-righteous honesty, it even says like in a literature like it talks about how it's like you want to there's there's like a line I can't remember where it is but it specifically mentions like the idea of like just like passing along information about someone whereas like you're literally just trying to like destroy their character mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like, yes yes I have a plan for when this is over. We'll go to mics and shows together and be each other's emotion, like, like, like sober companion. (laughs) I I love it. Just like having like kindness and tolerance, like all of that stuff is like, it's restraint of pen and tongue, like. And keystroke. Keystroke. Oh my God. I've gotten way better about that. Way, 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 way better. But again, I live in a space sometimes where it's like, you know, someone posts something and I say, like, you're insane. And I mean it a little bit, but it's also just a funny personality. Hello there. This is Nicole Yates, host of the DigiE podcast. Join me each Thursday as I talk to all sorts of interesting people from all over the place about food and life. Because really, isn't that all that matters anyway? That's every Thursday on the DigiEat Podcast. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. And hey, did you eat? All right, so let's get into that sixth question. I'm ready. Miss- lovely Lindsay Adams. 
How do you experience fear and anxiety? Whew. I mean, it's uh, you caught me on a great day um, because my fear and anxiety, I was uh, literally just thinking about that. I mean, you know, it's, it's so it's interesting because like clinically, like pers- like like diagnosed by a doctor, I have I have physical anxiety. So I have like I'm medicated. Um, and sames. Hey, hell yeah. Highly <laughs> recommended. Ooh, very Life changing. Yes. But anxiety is interesting because you, for me, like for so long, I experienced it and just like thought it was normal mm-hmm. and, and just like didn't understand that you don't always have to feel like you're in fight or flight. Right. And you know, I would experience it in a way where like I would definitely get the chest tightness when I was doing stand up. I would get stage fright. I would like be insane. Like I would lose my mind. I mean, it was like really hard and nothing could fix it. Um, And I had a really like hard guess and check time with my psychiatrist around like finding the right medication balance. Mm. And so the physical anxiety, you know, where my chest is tight, everything kind of spooks me. Like I would get a phone mm-hmm. call and get like a wave of like, just like panic. Um, that That is like thankfully way toned down. The anxiety that I experience now is much more centered around thought process, which I feel like has solution. Um, and so for that, I'm super grateful and it often ties into fear directly. Mm. Um, I, I think that my, I think that anxiety, my brain tells me that like anxiety and thinking about it and processing fear by trying to find a solution to it is somehow going to change things. Yeah. Like, I think that my thinking is going to make a different result. Like if I sit and think about what is going to happen next week and try to strategize all of the things that I actually don't have control over. I genuinely like I'm doing it because I think it's going to make some sort of difference. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really not. So like a lot of my fear is just like, am I going to be okay? What does okay look like? Um, you know, I, I'm scared. Uh, I'm scared that I'm not going to be okay. So then I don't allow myself to be okay right now. And the question the fun is, part is sometimes you don't know what okay actually is. Absolutely. <laughs> Just what I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's like very, you know, it's, I forgot the exact saying that people told me early in sobriety, but it was like something along the lines of like, you know, uh, you're, you are okay. You just might not know what okay looks like, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is such a difficult thing. Like, um, it's like, I'll call my sponsor and I'll be like, all I know is I'm not okay. Or the situation isn't okay. And then she'll be like, all right, well, what would, what would that like, what would that experience be? Like, how do you want it? And I'm like, I don't know. I've had, I've had addicts get mad at me when they're like in a state of like either using or acting out or something. And, um, I, I remember saying, um, what are your expectations of me 
to this one addict. And mm-hmm. he just said, he said, I don't know, but you're not meeting them. And I was like, oh, baby, you in that six step fear and anxiety. You don't even know. <laughs> this is a this is a projection, baby. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really hard. And it's like I'm you know, when I'm like it deep in this like fear-based anxiety, mm-hmm. it feels like an attack when someone is trying to offer a different solution. Yeah. You know, like it it just first like it processes as mm-hmm. someone trying to like I, I don't even know. Like I have you know and I've learned to like take a pause and be like why are you why do you want to kill this person <laughs> for asking yeah. if you've meditated? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like <laughs> suggesting something that why do you want to why do you want to kill this person? It's good cuz I don't fucking I don't because I'm in it, I'm fixing it, you bitch. Like I, <laughs> I had I, I have to pat myself on the back. My dude uh, wanted to talk to me while I was doing some math homework the other day. And I was struggling with the math homework so hard. And he is a math tutor. And I told him, I told him afterwards when I got it done, I said to him, I said, I don't even want to talk to anybody who likes math right now. That's how mad I am. (laughs) I was like, I am the, if, cause I could just see it in my head. He was going to call and he was going to say something and he was going to mean to be supportive. And I was going to bite his fucking head off for being supportive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have to literally like when I'm talking to someone be like, I don't want solution right now. Word, word. And, and as a, as a person in relationship, one thing I have to remember is to ask people, do you want the program response or do you want the friend response? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm like, you know what? Um, I just need to be mad for a minute and yeah. then I will be ready for solution. And then I also have to ask myself, like, why am I sharing this with another person? Like, what do I want from that? And like, is mm-hmm. this a solution that I should bring to like my, is this like a problem that I actually need to bring to my higher power? Um, I know, which is like the struggle today, you know, where I like want to, I just like want to call people and tell them my fears. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we want to barf our anxiety onto people and it actually amps us up more. So the anxiety never dissipates. It's just sort of like, be here with me, be here with me because anxiety is very isolating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I want like a laundry list of people to tell me I'm fine. I want to be validated. Like I, you know, it's like a very, it's like a very not solution based process, I guess. Like, is any of that going to make me feel fine? I don't know. Like, so, you know, I call my sponsor and she's like, you're going to be fine. You always land on your feet. And I was like, yeah, okay. And it's like, I just needed like a pat on the head to go to sleep last night, you know? (laughs) And, And when in reality, it's like, if I'm working harder at being in faith about it, I will not need that. Yeah, totally. Well, you're fine. I do think that there's a healthy way to, I mean, we talk about sometimes in 12-step rooms, like having a front row of people, you know, Mm -hmm. like a front row of people that you bounce things off of. And I think for me, if I don't at least bounce some of that anxiety off of someone, it, it needs to leave my brain. Yes. And become a reality and vocalized. Otherwise, it just turns into the same poison 
like where I'll just internalize everything or stuff it down and things like that. Now, me expressing my anxiety to those trusted home, the front row people, you know, I mean, to what degree do I let that be a thing? Like I, I have a three day rule on, on my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like uh first day I let myself feel the extreme emotion. Second day I acknowledge it. I start looking at what I'm going to do to alleviate it. Like what is within my hula hoop of control. And then by the third day, if it's still not gone, like what, what methods have I used in the past? Like I really got to crack this thing down. Because I, I mean, I've been in recovery long enough where I've heard people like, well, I don't fear anything and I don't, I'm a spiritual fucking giant. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I need 72 hours, bro. I'm sorry. I'm not fucking 30 years dry bag of leaves. Like I need 72 hours to day one, feel it. Day two, start contemplating what I'm going to do about it. And, and day three, start taking the actions that I need, you know, and that's just for me. Like that's just. Mm -hmm what I've given myself a little leeway because otherwise I'll tell myself that I'm not supposed to feel any type of way, but good at any given moment, no matter what's terribly like what's terrible and happening, what's perceived as terrible and happening to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's interesting. I like, wish I could remember the name of this woman, where she's um she's like i don't want to say she's like similar to Brene Brown but like it's like in that realm of like self help Harriet Lerner maybe it's like yeah. i think it's called like the five questions i can't remember how many questions but it's like a, a different way to process fear and granted like this woman like if you go deep in it, she's like takes it to a degree like you were just talking about, Dave, where it was like there's no reason to ever be afraid or be sad. Um, <laughs> but these questions are really interesting. And it's like essentially like, is it true? Like, is what you're feeling or thinking true? Um, what um, how do you know it's true? And what would your life look like if you didn't believe this? Oh, that's just a cognitive behavioral therapy thought map. Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's a thought record. Yeah. Well, some bitch had it on her. She like makes a living (laughs) off of that shit. So (laughs) I had like a therapist recommend it to me, Mm -hmm. but it's like actually pretty like transformative if I apply it. Yeah, that's actually the method my sponsor's having me do a six step through right now. So she's just going, you have a fear. Okay, describe the fear. What are your feelings around it? Okay, is it valid? Um, Does it serve you? Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Um, Yeah, it's like it's and it's so interesting because it feels so simple and it's also like. You know, it is one of those things, too, where it's like if someone in the moment suggested that to me during like an anxiety spiral, I would just be like, eat shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would just be like, great, eat shit. But when I'm alone (laughs) and I'm taking space, you know, I can be like, you know, what's my fear? I'm never going to be successful. Is it true? Mm -hmm. Who knows? You know, do I know? How do I know that it's true? Because I decided it. Yeah. 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 And how do we even measure success anyway? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like all of this shit, it comes down to like, I have no proof for any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. 
<laughs> yeah, one of my one of my favorite defects of character to engage in is go fuck yourself. I like like I just it my brain goes go fuck yourself to ninety percent of the human interactions that I have that aren't uh, that aren't I guess perceived as ideal for me. Um, and so that's that's something I try to turn over. Uh, so the seventh question is, Lindsay, what defects of character have you worked on or surrendered to the most? Oh my God. Gossip is always number one for me, like character assassination. And it sucks because it's like such a stupid defect, but I lean on it so hard. I mean, I really do. And well, it's like, to be fair, you're really good at it. I mean, thank you so I much. I mean, as another person who's pretty good at it, like when we've locked eyes in those brief moments where we both flashed that we have that defect at each other, gold. I mean, it's really <laughs> hard because it's really satisfying. And, you know, I got to say, like, the longer I have so many ways of justifying it and um, and it slips in to so many parts of my life. I mean, being a stand-up comedian, it, it's hard to not be a little, like, it's hard not to be gossipy. And yeah. part of my, you know, part of like, you know, how my, my what I think is funny on stage is like low-key gossip, kind of. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Character assassination is a better mm -hmm. a better term for it. And then when I take it outside of that, it's like one of the most toxic things that truly brings me down, like really brings me down to an emotional bottom. And I'll like figure out different ways to manipulate it and be like, look, I'm not gossiping about this person, okay? I'm sharing my experience so that you know and can form your own opinion. And it's like, babe, no one asked. Well, then, too, it, you, you're you're creating a bias for their opinion to formulate. Like, yeah. I, I remember yeah. I had someone who, when I first moved to L.A., would tell me all these things about certain L.A. comedians. And I'm like, well, they've always been nice to me. I need you to not unless they unless they are a, a threat, unless they've unless you, you know, 100 percent like I, I, I if you tell me these things, I'm automatically going to think of this negative interaction that y'all had. You know, uh, it, it, I found with my gossip and I still do it and I, I don't beat myself up over it too much, but when I'm at my best is when I'm describing a situation about something that's happened to me or something that I've heard where denoting the person's name, gender, and location does yep. nothing to increase the, the the validity of the story, and it keeps me out of it keeps me out of character assassination is what I tell myself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I used this example before that when I was still in Illinois, I was running a show and I told a comic who was coming down from the city that it was a door deal. And that it was rainy, so, you know, it might not be great. And then they came. It was exactly how I said it was. I pulled money out of my own bank account. And then a week later, they they DM'd me and started ripping me up and down a wall. 
you know? And it's like, I pulled money out of my own bank account that I didn't have to just to make sure y'all were okay. Now, I can share that story with other comics because it is one of those things where you're going to have that when you run a show. You're going to have, you're doing everything that you can, and it's not good enough for someone. Now, could I have said who this person was, what city they hail from, and what their, you know, what their gender was? I, I absolutely, but that story still is, is valid to vent frustrations because I think we all need to vent, and I think that's yes. where a lot of gossip is, 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 is for me rooted in. But I, I mean, maybe it's a fine line, or maybe this is just smoke and mirrors that I'm telling myself, but I, I think that keeps me out of, out of character assassination when I describe situations very cut and dry like that. You know, and I actually, I, I agree with you and I try to do the same thing. And it, there is such a weird line because it's like, arguably in that situation, you don't want someone else to experience that with that person, right? Mm-hmm. Because it can be helpful. But then it's like, is it our job to save them? Like, I would want to know if I was running a show and I wanted to book that comic that they, that's how they behave. You know mm. what I mean? And so- Uh, Which is hard because it's like, it's also not my job. And then I think it comes back to like, you know, what my role is in the world. And like, maybe I don't need to be the one to share that info about someone because it fucks me up. Yeah. And the, the proximity to the person, um, that you're sharing it to. It's like, if it's an inner circle person, like mm-hmm. for example, if that, that were the case, you know, for, for any of us, like the three of us here, like we would, um, we would uh, uh, want to have that dialogue with one mm-hmm. another. You know what I mean? And, um, and I do like the Dave, I, li- I like the Dave filter for venting. Mm-hmm. I think that's lovely. Um, and, but for me, where gossip becomes a, a toxic, a toxic trait is, and it is a fine line, is when I start to get that satisfaction. I start to get a physical feeling mm. of um, of excitement and satisfaction when I'm describing it. Yep. Emotional coming. Yes, 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 yes. That's so funny. Yes. No, I, I totally, I totally agree. And I think it has to do with motive and- yeah. For me, that is where the line is too, because it's like my behavior in the past and what has caused a lot of damage that I have then had to make amends for is gossiping with the intention of manipulating how that person then sees this other person and ultimately creating an army. I mean, it's very middle school. Like, you know, ultimately what I want is like, I don't like this person and I want everyone else to not like them. And I want to find out who else doesn't like them. And then I, I have jumped up and down to be like, oh my God, you hate them too. This is incredible. Yeah. And it's not good. It's it's also like when I hurt, I want to hurt. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and one way to amplify my ability to hurt is to mobilize others to want to hurt. Yeah. So if I get everybody on the same page, the amount of hurt I can inflict is great. But imagine how if I had five, 10 people inflicting hurt on this person. And that's, you know, that's, that's weaponizing, you know, my social skills. So I'm a very convincing person. 
Absolutely. I think that's like, we all have like the gift of gab or whatever. So it's like, it's, it's hard. And I had a situation like last year or something, I can't remember where I had an experience with someone that was also close to a lot of people that I was close with. And I had to really process this with my sponsor and like a couple people limit who I told. Um, Mm. I had to really limit the people that I spoke to and anyone else you know, I, I had, I had to think about like, what is the purpose of me sharing this story with them? And I've absolutely slipped up since then. Absolutely. Like, yeah. but yeah. I, but I had I'm to never do, gonna be, I'm never going to be good at it. Yeah. No, but like, you know, it's still limited and it's still, I always, you know, I do try to frame it in the sense that this is like, you know, Somewhat, you know what I mean? Like, I have compassion for this person. They're not a bad person, blah, 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 blah. But it comes down to hurt people, hurt people. And yeah. like, I want my hurt validated. I want my feelings validated. And it, it, for some reason, it hurts my feelings when, you know, people like people that have been mean to me. Yeah. I had a, um, Oh my fucking God. I have got to edit this out. I just turned off. I just deleted it for my, anyway, sorry. <laughs> just, there's nothing I can do about this. I can't. Okay. What happened? Oh, uh, can you guys hear the Alexa? Yeah. Okay. That's what happened. I was turning it off and it was like, nope, I'm still going to talk. Um, oh, that's she's so funny. Though. She's a dumb bitch. Um, <laughs> she is. <laughs> Let's she gossip about her. What it all boils down to for me is, can I forgive myself for my missteps in the defects of character that I participate in? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I'm not good at that. Uh, so, Lindsay, how do you experience forgiveness? Um, for myself or for other people or both? Both. Because I know one's easier than the other. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, forgiveness is a, is a sometimes a tough one because the answer is always forgiveness, and I know that, and I know that that is where the healing is, and I know that is where. I know that is, you know, ultimately letting go of resentments and and, and that forgiveness is essentially, um, you know, what brings me the most peace. It's like, I don't want to drink the poison, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but I, forgiveness is sometimes an action thing for me in the sense where it's like, I have to actively look for compassion for this person or this situation, I have to like process it in the sense where it's like, look, this happened, this person existed and did this or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that is not changeable. Mm -hmm. Um, I am carrying it. How does it help me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is this helpful? And I have to validate my own feelings. Like this is shitty. This sucked. You know, um, and, you know, then offer compassion and like, remember, like, we are all human. Like, if I happen to be someone that did whatever this person did, like, you know, I don't forgive them for them. You know, I forgive them for me. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, the people that have hurt me the most, I don't think I've ever said face to face, I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I love what you just said about forgiveness. That is, that is, that is so, that is so real. I think when it comes to whether it's character defects or resentments, the question is, is what do I get out of this? What do I get out of holding on to this? Yeah. You know, I mean, it serves no purpose and it doesn't mean that it's not real. Right. And it, it might not serve a purpose, but I do get something out of it. You know what I Absolutely. mean? It's like understanding that like what I get out of gossip is a sense of self-importance. Mm-hmm. What I get out of resentment is a sense of justification and self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, what I get out of uh, not forgiving either myself or others is um, a a protection. I get some sort of perceived protection. Um, and but it is it does limit my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's incredibly limiting and it, it makes me feel bad. Yeah. Like bottom line, like it ultimately makes me feel bad. And I have been in situations too, where it's gotten out of control and I'm sitting in a room and I look around and it's like, I've talked shit about every single person in this room. (laughs) I have bad feelings about every single person in this room. Yeah. And it's like, I never need to be in that situation again, especially because it's like in sobriety, we talk about like being able to walk down the street, you know, and feel like, you know, you don't have to hide if you see someone. Mm -hmm. And even if these people don't know that I've like completely shit on them in private, I still feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. Because you know. Yeah, because I know and I'm sitting there with it and it's like, what is what is an adult need from looking around and like being with a bunch of people that I have, you know, privately character assassinated? Well, and the the hardest thing is to forgive ourselves in those situations. It's like yes. to go back and forgive who I was in the situation where I was caused harm. Mm-hmm. Um for A, not being able to prevent the harm, and B, how I reacted. Because maybe how I reacted was in those character defects. And by that act of forgiveness, it releases the shame that that gets in the way of, of forgiving that other person. Oftentimes, it's like forgiving that other person, I have to acknowledge how I fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it's just like, okay, here we go. Like, start your day over, bitch. Like... <laughs> You know, or I have to actively be nice to them, even if it feels like fake, because it's Mm. like I have to do contrary action. Yeah. Yeah. I I would venture to say, too, that there's a level of forgiveness that I'm not capable of on my own um, and that there's certain things that have happened to me in my life that I need therapy to get to a place of forgiveness. I think it's unrealistic to think that I'm capable of getting to a place of forgiveness with certain things that happen to me because I just can't, I can't remove myself from the, the emotion because there are things in this world that happen that I would deem fall into the category of unforgivable unless I get therapy surrounding those things, you know, like the level of forgiveness I can participate in through the 12 steps and just my own recovery. It's better than it ever was, but like, you know, like there's certain things that like, for example, like if you, if you've got beef with someone who's passed away, like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not enough to just be like, I can do this on my own. Right. I struggled that with my dad for like mm -hmm. years. I stayed so angry 
And after he died, I mean, I was like the most angry I've ever been at him mm-hmm. and did not know how to process that. And I mean, I literally like there was so much that came up when he died and I, you know, that I was so upset and angry about that. He like my dad had, a he was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and he was diagnosed with cancer and had a year to live. And this was like right at the peak of his alcoholism mm-hmm. and all of this, da- all of the stuff that he had done that like was like a double life had come out. And we were all processing it while for that year while he was like, I'm going to completely change. And he didn't completely change. Like, and as he was becoming incapacitated, um, all, you know, things were coming out of the woodwork that we then had to process without him being able to process. Right. And I was so angry. Like he was lying about a bunch of stuff and was like literally taking it to his grave. And like, he wasn't religious, but we had a priest come in and read him his rights. He's in like my parents' room. Um, and this is kind of funny, but it's like an example of like how visceral it is. Like we had a priest come in. I pulled the priest, uh, I pulled the priest aside before he goes in the room. And I was like, um, you need to ask him if there's anything that he's lied about that he wants to confess. And the priest looked at me and was like, obviously you're psychotic. And I <laughs> sat in the room. <laughs> I sat in the fucking room while Girl. this priest talked to him, staring at him. And the priest was like, is there anything you want to share, you know, that you feel like you haven't? And he said, no. And I was, I could have slapped the shit out of him and he was it was like you know it was like it was like there was cancer in his brain but he just like would not he took it to the fucking grave yeah and I was so incredibly angry and just like forgiveness I couldn't even accept it so like forgiveness was Mm -hmm. so far out of that plane I I went to mediums and tried to get in contact with him. I have like a whole bit about this, but like I went to mediums and I was like, is he sorry? Like literally harassed mediums into asking if he was sorry. And all of them gave me like a non-resolution about like, well, he's in a better place. And like, he doesn't struggle with the same things he did. And I was like, I don't give a shit what he struggles with. I like, I don't give a fuck. Is he sorry? Like, is he ever going to? How many different mediums did you go to? Three. Just out of cure. Three. Whoa. Three. Over the years. And I've, I've low key asked like a fourth one because I did a show. I used to run a show at a crystal shop where we would have guests that were like mediums and we could ask them questions. And I've cornered every single one of them. I love this. It's This's like my- compulsive. This, by the way, I can tell you, listen, I'm not a medium, but this is what I know. Your dad and my mom are drinking a bottle of Crown Royal <laughs> and telling all these big fish stories and mm-hmm. taking their taking their their secrets to the grave, but lying about everything else, having a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his whole vibe was leave me alone. Yeah. Anytime he was confronted with anything, yeah. his whole vibe was like, give me a break. Wow. And it, and it's just like, you know, and so there's things like that 
that. And it's like, I was molested when I was like a kid, you yeah. know what I mean? And, but I was so much quicker to forgive her than I was my dad because yeah. I was like, it happened. I'm fucked up because of it. Yeah. That there's nothing I can do. This, I, what am I ever going to do? This woman was fucked up. Right. And like, she has to live with that. I get to live the rest of my life. I literally don't ever need to carry this with me ever again. Right. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it's just, it's such, it's so weird. It's so, it's so weird. Cause like that was so much easier. And then I stayed mad at my dad for years. He's been dead for 10 years in May. And I stayed mad at him for five of those 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, nobody asked that. <laughs> no, I love, I know, I love. No, I asked because it's just like that there is, you know, be, I, I try to stay conscious of the fact that we don't always have 12 step recovery people listening. Mm -hmm. And it, it might seem very far fetched if you've never been in the rooms. To, to get to a place of forgiveness with certain things. And also there's people in the rooms that the steps aren't enough to handle the shit that we have. And I know for me, the grief is one of those things. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm, it took a year for me to surrender to the fact that just the steps and the meetings and the sponsorship and the, and the service was not going to be enough. So it's like, that's the reason I brought it up is just to be like, well, let's, there, there are, there is a category of shit, you know. Yeah. And it's like if you ever watch a lot of true crime, like you, you see sometimes the very religious people that they're like, they forgive the murderer of one of yeah. their family members, and you're just like, why? Yeah. God. But that's that's what it is. It's just like, I'm, am I gonna carry poison with me until I die? Yeah, because for me, like, it's all or nothing. You know, and I totally agree. Outside help is so necessary. But like for me, it's all or nothing. I will either sit in the room with a priest who I asked to ask my dying dad if he was lying and harass mediums or I have to let it go. Yeah. Like I, I am not there's no middle ground where I can walk around with like, you know, with not with without, you know what I mean? Like, I just can't, I have to constantly, you know, and I'm not perfect, but like, I'm totally in a place now where it's like, and I've been doing a shit ton of therapy and mediums obviously, but, um, but I, you know, I, and some of it is just time. Yeah. Like some of it is just accepting that that's not where I'm at. I'm not, I don't forgive this person in this moment. And, yeah. um, you know, I can, I, but my goal is to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and with that, have there been any surprising amends, apologies that you've either gotten or given? I don't know if there's been any surprising ones. Um, Real weird ones or anything crazy? I mean, I've had to make amends for a lot of my amends are around like things not being my business that I make my business. Yeah. Like putting my hands in stuff or gossip or character assassination. And, um, you know, I've never, yeah, I've, I've, I had, I did have a surprising amends like really early on when I was sober. Um, there was, when I was active in my addiction, I was a teenager and, um, I 
remember there was this woman whose daughter I used to hang out with because she was down to get wasted all the time and like do the things that I did, no judgment. Yeah. But her mom picked us up from the movies one time and she was like, I don't want my daughter hanging out with you. You're a bad influence. You're a bad kid. You're doing fucked up shit. I want my daughter to stay away from you. And I was like, okay, bitch, like, please drive me home. Like, like, like I was truly just like, fine, you suck. Your daughter sucks too. Um, but, <laughs> you know, and then years later, I'm sober and working in a coffee shop in my hometown. And she comes in and she's like, I can't believe you like turned your life around like that. Like, I can't, you know, and she's like, my daughter is really struggling and I don't know what to do. And well, you still suck and so does your daughter. Yeah, exactly. I was like, get the fuck out of this coffee shop that I'm going to get fired from. Um, (laughs) No, but I I, like I made amends to her. I was like, look, I I was I absolutely was fucked up and I did encourage her to do stuff. And. I am so sorry that like that affected you because it did. And, um, and she started crying and we were hugging and like, that was just such a moment where I was like, Oh shit. Whoops. Like, and cause it's the last thing I would ever think about is like how my, someone else's mom would feel about what I was engaging with them yeah. doing because yeah. I had a lot of moms that were like, don't hang that had told their kids like don't hang out with her yeah yeah Yeah. so that was interesting we always act like we're like what do you mean i'm i'm a totally great kid and it's like well yeah except for you're ripping and running and stealing shit and being crazy and beating people up and yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and i'm just like fuck you then like I also like would be like, if you're going to listen to your mom, you're a pussy. <laughs> you know? uh, what are you, a narc? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to, your mom said, don't hang out with me. So you're not going to like hang out with me. Eat shit. <laughs> like I'm fun. You're not. Sorry, you're a baby. Oh my God. I love it. You're so funny. You were so funny. <laughs> it's such a good thing that like we're approximately the same age. You're a little bit younger. And if like we had met when we were both using, oh my God. Girl. It's on. It's on. We would have had so much fun. <laughs> you, grew up, you grew up. Did you grow up around Illinois, Chicago? Me? Yeah. No, I grew up in New Jersey. Jersey New baby. Jersey, that's right. Yeah. I was a Jersey bitch. So it was intense. I was just watching uh, uh, Action Park, Class Action Park, the documentary. Oh about, my god, it's so good. It's it's it, John Hodge. I know this is a break from what we were just talking about, but like, if you want to see Jersey people being fucking Jersey people, watch Class Action Park on HBO Max. hundred uh, percent. It's it, it's fucking Jersey to the core. It's it's so Jersey. It's crazy, and I knew so many people that went there. And it's like truly, yeah, it's gorgeous. I looked at it and I was like, thank God I went to other parks. (laughs) 
I love it. Yeah. I love it. Your parents were like, no, we ain't got it. I could I could just imagine when I was watching that, I was like, my parents would never let me go there because they'd be like, we can't afford the insurance that you're going to, your clumsy ass is going to cost us. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and we had one that was like 30 minutes away called Dorney Park. That was like way closer and super fun. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, oh, water parks. RIP. Sorry, pandemic killed them. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Never, never, never again. <laughs> so, Lindsay, um, what is your daily practice, like your daily get down to maintain the Zen that is Lindsay Adams? I wouldn't call it Zen for sure. Um, but how do you keep from murdering people's moms? That is valid. That's a valid question. <laughs> um, I mean, I go to meetings. I don't go to meetings every day, but it's so funny because my boyfriend, um, he's very regimented about like his schedule and stuff. And he started to like incorporate like more, uh, more of like the self-helpy type stuff. And he's not in any 12-step program. He's like normal and, you know, as normal as someone dating me can be. But um, he gave me this gratitude journal um, and it was so sweet. And he wrote the sweetest note in it. And like, I, the last thing I ever want to receive from anyone is anything related to self-help. That is the absolute last <laughs> thing I ever, ever, it, I will throw it right in the trash. Like, so he, he writes me this gorgeous note that's so sweet. And I'm just like, okay, maybe I'll give it a try and see what happens. Um, and so I started doing that every day. You do it in the morning and you do it at night. Um, you know, and <clears throat> I have been trying to meditate every day. I try to meditate in silence for 10 minutes. Um, and I exercise a lot. Um, Exercise is really helpful for me in terms of clearing my brain. Mm, me too. Especially like, outside. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love a good bicycle ride. That's uh, usually Re the ticket for me. Is I, really? I take, a, I take a nice bicycle ride to the ocean. Because oh. it's like, oh, yeah, you pay this much rent because there's ocean. And it's free to look at. Yeah, I totally free to forget. Jump in. I totally forget. Just being outside. Taking in the fact that, like, yeah, like this all exists here and it's crazy that just like mountains and ocean and vast nature is there and the less in the, people the in better. The, yeah. In in the before time, I would run into comics at shows that were just miserable as fuck and complaining about this, that, or the other thing about Los Angeles. And I'm like, hey, when's the last time you swam in the ocean? They're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know you could go directly that way. I mean, you don't even need to know the direct. Just keep walking that right. way. Keep going west. Or if you don't know what west is, I'll point it out to you. And then you'll hit the ocean. And go yeah. jump in that bitch. And then tell me that you still hate Los Angeles after swimming in the fucking ocean. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or hike to the bridge to nowhere in the Angeles National Forest. Mm, or yes. even go walk around the Rose Bowl. Or... Yeah. You know, go do something, you know, go for a drive, give yourself a tour. You know what I mean? Go to, um, yeah. there is a, um, 
oh my god, I can't. Oh, I'm a bad tour guide. Never mind. But there's a really great park in um, in uh, 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 in Beverly Hills. That's like an old yep. castle, and yep. like you can go up there, and, and it's like amazing. Yeah. Go to the Getty. Yeah. 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 Franklin Canyon is mm -hmm. really, really yeah. peaceful and nice. Mandeville Canyon. Mm -hmm. There's like, um, I mean, I literally was doing laundry earlier and I just, it's like around the back of my apartment and I just like stood outside for like three minutes, like with my eyes closed in the sun. And I was like, you need this bitch. Yeah. Like get quiet for five fucking seconds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's like, I try, I do, I do, and I do, a lot, I do yoga too, which I'm like upset that it, like, it's so good for my mental health. Me too. I get like very into it and I have like a whole yogi community. It's so embarrassing. Oh, I love it. See, yeah, I do. I love how we apologize for shit that's good for us. Yeah. Like as comedians, it's like. Yeah, I have a belief in a higher power. Uh, I, I know, fuck me in the ass. I know, sorry, we're all supposed to be jaded fucking atheists, but, uh, yeah. or, uh, oh, yeah, 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 I, uh, I I drink a lot of water. Fuck me, I know, I know. That's taking away my comedic edge because I'm hydrating. I, I know, but. Yeah. My, my uh, roommate has a Peloton bike, and <gasps> I, um, yeah, let me know if you want to, we'll talk, we'll talk, because it. It's unlimited. I've got logging. a bicycle bike. I got but, a bicycle bike that so, goes places. But I, I can't have a stationary bike. Hey, I can't see. Oh, well, then I'm definitely sending you up a login because um, you can use it on your phone while you're doing it. And oh so uh, that's what a lot of people do is they buy a stationary bike and then they just download the app. But um, I I can't actually cycle anymore. Like I'm listening to you guys cycle, like your cycling stories. I used to cycle. My dad and I used to ride tandem like 50, 60 miles. Like, oh my God. I know. Tandem. I just, just be looking at this big old Mexican booty for like the whole time. I honestly, tandem to you and your dad, I just imagine him making you ride on the back of the pegs. <laughs> like, yeah, babe, like, wow, that's him. so funny. Like, <laughs> on the back of a lowrider bike? No, he was really that's, into that's, cycling. That's like, yeah, that's, He was uh, really into it. He uh, he would watch the Tour de France on ESPN back before it was streaming. So yeah. he would like just wake up at three in the morning every year to watch it. Um, yeah. So he was like obsessed with cycling. So I, um, I grew up cycling and I have this hip problem. I can't cycle and I can't hike on inclines. Mm. And so, and I can't run anymore. So, yeah. but it, and part of it is, is I have to choose how I wear my hips out that I've chosen martial arts again. So like, so I'm, you know, I'm, I, I just have to, I take like very flat walks, but just listening to you guys describe that, I have such a boner for like wanting to just like, you know, just leave yeah. on a bike and go, but no, it's okay. Because what I've found is that I can walk places. I can go yeah. outside and be in the sun. I can yoga. I do my martial arts. There's always something for a while. All I could do was aqua aerobics. Yeah. And I have curly hair. What a nightmare. I almost went bald. Like, <laughs> like, like it's, you can't, um, like you, there is a way 
to be in our bodies and to find peace, even when that becomes limited with age or injury. And I just yeah. want to say that because when people say, all I have control over is this hula hoop, bitch, I haven't had control over what's in the hula hoop in three years. Yeah, <laughs> My I body mean, does as she pleases. I have my period sometimes for three weeks at a time. She's just doing her own thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also especially hard for women in the way that we, mm -hmm. um, we are like, forced to kind of think that exercise is a means to losing weight and looking no. good and having that process like in my brain since like a yeah. child of like, you want to look hot exercise. And so there's, you know what I mean? It's like, you need to suffer. You, this is this, you need to suffer to look Buns hot. of steel. No yeah. pain, no gain, bitch. It's yes. all really toxic. And so it's taken me a really long time to be like exercising feels really good for me. Like yeah. I am that bitch that will go on vacation and see seek out a yoga class. Yes. Like I will 100%. I, I take my resistance bands and I go to the gym and I do my little resistance bands. Yeah. yeah I'll do I'm like dates in Vegas and I'm like working out all the time. Everyone else is looking for Coke and hookers and I'm out here working out. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love experiencing, you know, and something like yoga for me is like, you know, it's such a positive experience mm -hmm. and like, it's so cool to go to a different place and do it. Like I, yeah, I've, I've like started doing that and it's like really silly, but it's so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I yeah. love that. Now, you've mentioned your higher power quite a bit. What is your relationship with your higher power like specifically? You know, it's interesting because it's like I have to activate this. I have to activate a relationship with this like nebulous higher power in order to feel connected in any way. You know, like I, you know, I have to have some sort of faith. And my experience has been whether co coincidence or not, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. And it's like, is this true? Mm -hmm. You know, do I have proof, you know, kind of doing it backwards. Like my life has been better off you know, since I have actively engaged with the idea that there is a power greater than myself, whether it's gravity or the solar system, you know, I go, I go as like far out as I can mm -hmm. because I, I try not to think of it as like being very micro. And so, you know, my life has been better. I feel better when I walk around with that faith. So like, even if it doesn't actually exist, you know, I am better off. So, and there's no harm in it. Mm -hmm. So I try to remember that I'm going to be taken care of. I'm going to be okay. Like everything happens for a reason. Like I really, even the shittiest things, like I really, I have to engage in that way that I mm -hmm. am ultimately taking care of. Yeah. And it is then well, yeah. my job. There's proof to... of that too. That's yeah. why I have to remind myself. The question I was told to ask myself is when have I not been taken care of? Mm -hmm. Not, yes. not only will I be taken care of, but go, go, go in the opposite direction. It's just like, even at my drunkest, I always found, I always found enough booze. I always found a couch or a safe bush to sleep behind, you know, like I, even at my worst, I was taken care of. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and the thing is too, it's like, I've had to process because everyone's always like, well, why are there wars? People get killed. There are murderers and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, who I have no idea what these people's experiences are. You know, I have my own experiences, but like, you know, I think it's a choice that you have to make if, and decide like if engaging in that sort of, um, belief is helpful for you. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I have, you know, for me, I believe that being taken care of doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Right. You know, or that I don't experience pain or that Mm -hmm. things I'm like obsessed with things being fair. Mm -hmm. That's like another one of my defects. I'm like a fair warrior. I want everything, you know, so something's not fair. I will fucking throw down. That's Mm -hmm. my instinct. I want to punish people. Mm -hmm. And so I have to believe that even if it's not fair, it is right. And it's my job to accept. It's my job to accept that and then have faith that there's a reason why it exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some people, it's like sucks because it's like some, you know, People, I don't know, this is like such a weird thing to say, but it's like some people's life and pain are sacrifices for things that I don't understand or are out of my control. So it's like I always want to look at other people and be like, well, they have the shittiest fucking life. So like how is how is there a higher power? Mm-hmm. And... um. You know, and for me, I'm kind of just like, I don't have to understand that. That's not my job to figure it out. And I think, too, at, at that level is we, we tr- at least I, I should say, try to personify a higher power instead of making it something that doesn't make decisions like humans right. do about certain things. You know, like it's uh, the the closest examples, like when people say, let's kick cancer's ass. So that me- that gives cancer an ass and meanings like it chose my dad. Right. Like it made a conscious choice. To cho- Some things are powers that are great. Cancer is a power greater than me. Mm-hmm. And it just does what it does. Yeah. And the universe is a power greater than me. And it just does what it does. A- mm-hmm. And I think the more I try to make it a bully the worst time I'm going to have with acceptance of any, uh, you know, ill, ill perceived ill situation in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if I'm comparing my life to other people's and, and saying like, wow, this is like such a terrible thing that, you know, they experience blah, blah, blah. It's then, you know, for me, it's my job to then be grateful you know, and, and show my gratitude by, you know, doing something good. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm grateful for you, Lindsay. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful for you, you, cho- you chose to come today and, and, and drop your, your spiritual bombs on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We've made it to the end. The last question is what would you tell someone in the world? Just like you listening right now. It's going to be fine. And that's it. It's going to be fine. Just 
have your day. Yeah. That's what, I mean, literally that's what I tell myself. Just have to tell myself, walk around. It's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And you're never going to get this day back. Like you're just never, this day will pass. Or this moment. (laughs) Yeah. So just, so do what you do. Yeah. 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 Whether that's work, rest, observe, be, breathe, yoga, fart, shit, smile, laugh, cry, just do your thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I always have to like, think about it in terms of life or death. And it's like, you could die tomorrow. I could, we could get hit by an asteroid. Yeah. I just watched a movie. So, but I was I, like, like, yeah, I was like, what uh, apocalyptic movie did you just watch? Because Greenland. Just- <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, anything can happen at any moment. Yeah. And I don't want my last moments to be a thought process or something that makes me unhappy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love it. Lindsay, where can people find you and find everything that you do? Um, So you can find my Instagram at Lindsay Adams is popular. I obviously have issues. Um, My TikTok is Lindsay Adams is popular. Also, who cares? Um, My Twitter is at Lindsay's face. Um, And my YouTube is Lindsay Adams is popular. (laughs) Yay. And and let me just give a a quick shout out to Lindsay's uh, baking abilities. Not only is she a talented comedian, but she is a a grade A phenomenal baker. And she's hustling in these streets, making confections for the for the people. So uh, I do believe and I'm sure you've been told this, you deserve a, either a your own baking show or at least to be a contestant on one of these fucking bake shows with all these Thank jabronis you. with no personality. Jabroni. I would watch a baking show with you in it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. That's so kind. And she can do allergy or vegan or gluten-free. Like you've Yes. You've done Or if you want to send a cake to an enemy who has an allergy, you could tell her to double down on the specific ingredient. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's an episode of Major Crimes. They made yeah. a, a cake with nut uh cake nut milk. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, Dave, where can people find you and all the fabulous things you do? At Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. And you can order hot sauce uh, at HaHaHotSauce on Instagram or HaHaHotSauce.com. Thank you. Haha. My name, uh, you can find me at Anna V is Fun on, I almost like, introduce myself like I was in a meeting. My name's Anna and I am ending a podcast. Um, uh, you can find me at Anna Vias Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com for all show dates and podcast information and whatnots. Um, you can find this podcast at 12QPod on all the platforms, including the Gmails, 12QPod at Gmail. Check us out. Send us some questions so we can do an episode answering your questions. I think it'd be fun to have 12 different people send us an email so we could have 12 guests or 12 audience questions. Yeah. Do an episode 
of 12 audience questions. So hit us up, 12qpod at gmail.com. Yes. And since we're on Anchor, we could probably also do a 12 songs that help us with our recovery episode uh, where we do music. You can use music from Spotify. Uh, this is a concept Ooh. I have not brought up to Dave off camera. So uh, well, <laughs> he is. And interested. I'm against it. So he hates send it. us an email and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> Um, but how we end this podcast every time is Lindsay. If nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Lindsay. I love you guys too. Thank you so much. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, uh, we love you. Barf. Yeah, he hates it. <laughs> and um, if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Thank you so much. Love you, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you.